Hello, and welcome to the Stubborn Tortoise podcast. I'm Donna Pazdera. So this week's episode was supposed to be about aid stations, and I had the whole thing recorded and had it almost all the way edited, and then I lost everything. And my brain is just not ready to deal with re-editing that right yet. It's been a very long week. School started, and I'm kind of feeling overwhelmed. So I'm picking two related topics that are pretty universal. And again, you don't even have to be a runner to necessarily relate to some of this. We have to talk about gear and also what running does to you physically. And I'm not talking about having great legs and a cute butt and things like that. (laughs) There are other things to factor in. So let's talk about clothing and the kind of stuff that you need to wear as a runner. I would have thought that this would have been easy. You need a pair of shoes. That's not too difficult to figure out, but it gets more complicated. So this first entry is from 2013, and uh, it's just called This Stuff Gets Expensive. I caught myself browsing online for shoes, and then I had a reality check. I couldn't even consider buying them when I just spent almost the same amount for a hydration pack earlier in the week. And I contend that my guy friends who run, they don't have the same financial dilemmas. Cute shoes or skincare versus utilitarian water bottle pack or gear. Yes, this is a hashtag first world problem, but it wasn't something I expected when I, when I got serious about running. And as a cyclist, I knew that it could get expensive, what with a decent bike, clothing, and other gear. But with running, you would have figured it would have been pretty inexpensive by comparison. I mean, I spend 80 to $100 on a pair of good running shoes, and then you're off. Well, <laughs> and then you have to factor in the unexpected things like socks. Socks. Last fall, I ran a trail half marathon and sweated so much that the dust on my shoes turned into mud because my socks didn't wick properly. And they weren't even cotton. Oh, the horror if they'd been cotton. And I discovered Drymax socks, which are now a staple, albeit an expensive one. And I have yet to turn into a muddy buddy with these guys, but just don't wash them with fabric softener or the stagecoach turns back into a pumpkin. If you run trails, you have to carry water, so I swung by Sports Authority and picked up a handheld for $22. $22? For a water bottle? Well, it has a strap, and you can tighten it so it becomes part of your hand, and it has a handy pocket so you can store your stuff in it, and then when you're out on the trail far from Valero, you have to be self-sufficient. So the handheld was and is fine for shorter distances when there's aid stations where you can get refills. But for those times when you need to carry more water and gear, this is bad. I spent about $60 for a Jim Dandy hydration pack. And I love it because it's pretty light, doesn't slosh like some of the other brands, and has nice side pockets and stuff, as well as a big back pocket for more stuff. (laughs) The pack was awesome until I found out that the Organizers had banned cups at aid stations in a long trail race a month or so ago. I was just not prepared for this and considered putting my mouth under the spigot for Gatorade because I was in need of something more than water. And just side note, you can get disqualified from races for trying to put your mouth under a spigot for a uh, big jug of water or Gatorade because uh, I've seen people do that and I know there are some race directors that will disqualify you for it so don't do it it's gross 
So in preparation for the next long trail race, I bought a collapsible water bottle for 99 cents on eBay. Also, I realized that gels aren't often cutting it. So I'm trying a powder that dissolves into water for nutrition. And that means, guess what? Another bottle. Hence the reason I bought a hydration belt. And I could go on and on, but you get the idea. And if you're going to do this right, you need to be equipped so you don't want to fail. So to quote my friends, it's an experiment of one. And you may not need all this different stuff because one thing works for you. And if that's you, you're lucky. I imagine that most of my pals have a closet full of gear that they don't use all the time, but they can pick from for a specific situation. Me, I have a much smaller wardrobe for work than I would like, but it's balanced by having enough gear so I don't get into trouble on the run. Oh, and as I was just wrapping up this post, my crack dealer sent me an email about a new Marc Jacobs makeup line. Crack dealer, that would be Sephora. Also, P.S. The water hydration belt does not work for me. I've tried several and had to take them all back because they just were not comfortable for me. So what tends to work for me is carrying one or two handheld bottles, you know, one in each hand, or wear a vest that has pockets for two water bottles, maybe a hydration bladder if you're really running long and no aid stations. And it's got little pockets for gels and all that good stuff that you want to consume on the run. So anyway, uh, and also PPS, I got lured into Sephora's crack den once again this week because this week there happened to be a 15% off sale on anything you wanted on their site. And listen, a girl needs Sephora. Okay, sorry, but so I'm going to be really broke for a while. Uh, but here's the thing. You know what? I don't need blue eyeshadow or glossy lips on the trail, so forget it. That was easy. Well, <laughs> until we get to the next post, which is called The Ugly. Okay? Running is not a pretty sport. Okay? I'll see ladies who are at 5Ks and they're in full makeup and carefully coiffed hair. And somehow, they manage not to break a sweat when they cross the finish line, their makeup and hair intact. Not me, ever. I've given up ever looking presentable for a race. And fortunately, I'm one of those girls who can manage to look okay without makeup. Thank you, mom and dad, for good jeans. And my ability to sweat is the subject of much laughter and amazement among my friends. When I ran my first 18-miler, I started off the morning with cool, pleasant weather. And then by mile 12 or 13, the sun was high and the humidity was up. And Chris, one of my new running buddies, remarked, you look like you fell in a swimming pool. <laughs> I did. My friend Norma burst out laughing a few weeks ago when we had run about four miles and swung into a nearby hotel to use the restroom. We looked at my reflection in the mirror and she started laughing that I was already drenched. Even last weekend, when I ran 10 miles in remarkably cooler weather, I amused my friends by being almost drenched. But not everyone is put off by my ability to look like I fell in a river. One of my guy friends, who is a runner, mentioned that I look hot <laughs> when I sweat, and that made my heart smile. Experts say that sweating a lot can mean that you're really fit or that your body is really good at cooling itself. Hmm, I'll stick with the former. <laughs> And guys don't have as many problems with this as women because they aren't generally wearing skirts and sandals. And running outdoors, especially in way south Texas, where it is unusually warm and sunny, 
makes tan lines an issue, especially for the feet. Socks and shoes create tan lines as well as short sleeves. And when I go sleeveless, I cringe at the possibility of looking like Farmer Bob. And one of my secrets to combat this issue is self-tanner. My favorite, pro tip, is Jurgen's Three Days to Glow, light to medium. And this stuff works quickly and looks good and lasts a while. My students have grown accustomed to me coming in on Monday with battle wounds from running on the weekends. I have a tendency to trip and scrape the heck out of my knee on flats. And it's hilarious because I managed to get through some of the most brutal technical courses unscathed and then I fall on the flats. And again, this makes wearing skirts sort of a dodgy affair. The worst injury I've suffered happened in July of 2014 on McAllen 2nd Street, which is a flat paved path. There were a lot of like chinks in the asphalt and I think that's what caused my fall. I scraped the skin off my left knee all the way to the tendon. Another funny side note is we flagged down one of the, or a couple of McAllen bicycle cops because I wanted to see if they had any band-aids or antiseptic or something for me. And the, the one guy was pretty unflapped by it, but the other one took one look at my knee and it was again scraped down to the tendon and he's like, oh God. So, <laughs> whatever, I guess law enforcement, even those guys can have squeamish stomachs. Finally, one of the grossest parts about running is that you will lose toenails. Up until a year ago, August of 2013, I'd done a pretty stellar job of keeping mine, but after a hellish race at Colorado Bend, I lost two toenails. Well, the nails felt weird and sensitive after I spent six and a half hours running in the dark, kicking rocks, and having an existential crisis. And within a few weeks, the toes swelled, got filled with pus. Ugh. It finally came off, sorry. A few weeks ago, my big toenail on the same foot came off. It actually wasn't painful and quite honestly felt better. So, if you're one of those high-maintenance folks who always likes to look put together, I strongly recommend that you find a sport other than running because if you're serious about it, it's going to get ugly. And I'm okay with that. All right, folks. That's what I've got for you this week. This is episode nine. Woo, we're getting there. And um, again, don't forget to subscribe. Give me feedback. If you have questions, send them to me. And uh, until then, I'll see you next time. <laughs>